0: Hi, 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 chaos. Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs, talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Aaron Mauer, outside the box thinker, here to teach each and every teacher how to tinker. Living on the edge of chaos, born insane. Listening to coffee chugs like caffeine for the brain. One of the top teachers in Iowa, word is born. Here to show the world that there's more here than corn. To the session. i putting out the fires on online learning and teaching we are here with another phenomenal educator and, and expert and hey. uh, someone that's going to bring some i think some great insight to all the things that we're trying to figure out as we navigate face to face hybrid online maybe bouncing back and forth and everything in between and so while we know the the pan- pandemic has, has created some some disruption in education we also know that it's bringing to light some things that we're realizing as professionals that you know either further learning we need or we're realizing maybe some things we've always done maybe weren't the best approaches and so we've got here uh, doug bergman and, and this is going to be a, a phenomenal conversation that's going to lead to again, like many of the educators and experts coming in, some new insights, nudging you to to think about some of your approaches and practices, and, and and obviously coming from a voice of an educator who's doing this work. So it's not another talking head, which is something that we've really strived hard in this series to make sure that it's educator lens, educator perspective, because we know that's what sells best. So, Doug, I, I can't wait to get into this, but let's start the stage off with who are you, what do you do, a little bit of your journey so people have some context for uh, how you're coming into this conversation today. Yeah, that,
1: that certainly makes sense. Uh, so listen, I, I'm Doug Bergman, and um, I'm in a new role to we'll talk about in a second, but um, as of this year in June, I had spent about 20 years or so as uh, computer science chair at Porter Gow Pride School in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, in um, in charge of the whole department, but I was focusing on the high school side of that one and um, Before that has been a few years in industry and a few years at another school in there But primarily computer science education is where I've been uh, For the last 20 years or so in my school I was lucky in that they were extremely supportive of that and so in other words, they said hey we don't know necessarily what excellence and greatness looks like in computer science but, but you seem to have some great ideas, just run with that and go with that. So they were so supportive. And I know a lot of people are out there shaking their head going, man, I wish I had that. And, um, but I was attracted to that energy. And so we, we had a lot of room to explore, had some great successes and probably a few bumps along the way as well, like everyone. But um, through that journey, we were able to really connect with kids and find some ways that seem to be working. Um, our goal um, wasn't necessarily expertise in computer science. It was more, um, reaching people that maybe hadn't had a chance to really connect with computer science in their lives or wouldn't necessarily see its place in their own life, what their, what their passions were. So we, we uh, really found some strategies and techniques which really work to sort of bring people into the computer science classroom so they can see the value of that. And so uh, we seem to have some, some pretty good successes on that and um you know uh you know i'm gonna probably go ahead and and sort of say this out front i am a project-based learner fan so um most of my most of my successes and experiences have come from that side of things um and so i certainly have some ideas um and some some stories that have worked to to sort of validate why i think that's a really good approach not necessarily just in computer science but but with anything and also i think what's good is um what i'm going to talk about today what i've always talked about it works um, certainly face-to-face because I have evidence of that, but also it really does translate well into online. And so uh, when, when, when we spent a few months um, in the spring going online with that one, what I found was we were able to do a lot of what we were doing already in that online, online environment. One of my students, I remember even saying after a couple of weeks, hey, Mr. Bergman, this is kind of just like being in class. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's cool. That's exactly what what we were hoping you would have that response in for. And so uh, I've been highly involved in the computer science education world. I was on the board of CSTA. I presented at pretty much every conference under the sun. I've probably met many people in your audience already, so they may have already heard this, this uh, song and dance here. Um, and a couple years back, I had a book out that, about computer science and education um, that has some pretty cool ideas. In fact, some of the stuff I'm talking about today will, will be in that book as well. So it's dirt cheap on Amazon. Go grab a copy. Um, And so that's, that's where I was. Um, And just so uh, you know where I am now. So um, after 20 years, I did make a break and I have um, joined a company called Udacity, which is out in Silicon Valley, which has always been one of my dreams. Um, But it wasn't just a jumping of ship. It was gosh, I really love what I'm doing. I love to maybe see if there is another way to kind of take it to a higher level and Udacity has the same beliefs in project based learning and hands on environment and it's computer science education just to a new and different audience. And so I was able to bring a lot of my experience and um, put it to work in a different environment, which, which I love. And there's some 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 correlations that i'll be able to make between those two which i think are valuable for some of the teachers to hear and so that's my intro
0: yeah i love it yeah you've done just a few things in your uh, career to to say the least And so i want to start with the udacity lens and i think it'll lend itself to a lot of your history and building in those ideas of of project-based learning and and before we do that I, i just i do want to put the asterisk out there um so if if you're not teaching computer science i don't want you to turn away from this because the ideas that Doug's going to be sharing is universal across education in general so i just i want you to be aware um, of not to click off because there's going to be lots of computer science examples but really what we're talking about is good teaching practices um good ideas for us to think about regardless of what you teach and i think what is really exciting about this doug is you're coming at it from a computer science lens where i think while it's new for a lot of people it is a field that many people have struggled to even think about project-based learning, even though in theory it shouldn't be. Sure. I just know as, as computer science does grow across the nation and, and in some cases the world, people are still kind of stuck in a step-by-step lock kind of yeah. mode and it shouldn't be that way we know that and not to go down that that rabbit hole but I think what your world has done your experience is doing it in a field that a lot of people are, are just right now naturally struggling with which I think is where a lot of people used to struggle in the other subjects so um, with that being said with Udacity I know one of your roles is to work with the people that are experts the professionals in these fields of of professionalism whatever it right. might be whether it's, it's AI or coding right. or whatever the the topic might be but maybe where they need some help and guidance, and I think this is where your job is, is helping to curate that and, and clean it up in a way that allows for a proper course that's engaging. And in your case with Udacity, it has to be online. I mean, this is an on- on- online platform. So the idea isn't new to this sector of 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 work. And so my question to you, setting the stage there is, when you're working with these people who know their content, they, are, they know it inside and out. How how do you work on that process to create a quality course? Like, what are the things that – I'm going to say mistakes, and I don't mean that personally against anybody because I don't know who you're working with, but that they tend to make over and over because I think one of the big struggles right now is – We have so many educators that have really great on, or not not online, great face-to-face stuff. And as they're trying to figure out how to move it to hybrid or online, there's a snag. And I don't think that it's not that that they can't do it. It's just a new approach. And so what do you see? How do you work through some of that? Because I think that's like, I think where a lot of the anxiety and stress is taking place right now for these educators going, oh my gosh, how duel, I do this, and they're up against the, the tightrope, right, where if they don't figure it out soon, they're going to lose their kids for the year.
1: Well, I mean, they got kids who are expecting them to be in class, you know, today at two o'clock, and they've got to have something ready for that, so it's really interesting, but here's what's funny, and so I know there's, uh, I, I would, let me start just by saying in general this, and, and a, you mentioned about the computer science thing, I think I'm only going to use one specific computer science example today, so really what I'm talking about today is just really engaging, engaging class, engaging right. That kind of stuff. So, but um, you know, I'm working with people who are you know leaders of ex- yeah leaders of industry, experts in their in their field, subject area experts, um, and they're sometimes so nervous about working with us because they're terrified of presenting it. Mm-hmm. So if you're out there terrified of being in front of a camera, yet when you were face to face, you were. It you were the man or the woman <laughs> and you had it right and so now you're thrown into this world where you're not the expert um and so that as two i think to separate two things um there's subject area expertise and there's um how to communicate those ideas about the subject area and they normally they're all in one when you're face-to-face and then suddenly online they're separate because you can be a master of what you know and have horrible online presence or you can have horrible face-to-face presence so I think, A, just have comfort in knowing that um, there's experts in, you know, world-class experts who are terrified of making a course because they don't know how to do it. They're scared they're going to say it and it's going to, it's going come out wrong or the students aren't going to understand it or whatever. And that's, that's where someone like me, when we partner, comes in because I can help that person take their ideas because they have some mis- con- mis- misunderstandings, misconceptions. Maybe they're basing their educational model on what they did in high school or middle school long ago, you know, which might be 10, 15, 20, 25 years or so. And so um, it's important that I have to break any misconceptions that they have. And so, um, I, a, I, I help them feel comfortable telling me what they want to communicate. And then I sort of ask them a lot of questions um, to help them say, what's really, really important about what you said? And they'll kind of go and talk and talk and talk and talk like they might in a lecture. And eventually they'll say a sentence like, stop, 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 right there. Okay, that's the meat of what you're trying to say right there, right? Okay, so let's start there instead of finding our way there like you might in a lecture. Why don't we just start there, say that sentence right now, and they say it. I'm like, no, 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 say it like you did a second ago, right? And let your passion, let your energy come out because ultimately that's what you're trying to communicate. So with online, you don't have the luxury of walking around the classroom and. Pointing over here. You're, you're there in front of the camera. And so I think sometimes coming to that point pretty quickly and and then you support that with stories and examples and uh, and discussion with your students, etc. So that's one of the things that we've noticed because um, Part two in that is once they do say that thing. Okay, and, and there should be some emotion and some feeling behind that. You want your students to realize this is important for me. I believe this, and this is really important that you understand that I wanna help you get to that point. So that's huge that you get those sentences out there. And, you know, yeah, it might be on your your presentation on the screen as well, to sort of support that for the visual learner. Um, but part two, just because you say it, doesn't mean that they have it right? If you say the sentence, you know, amoebas are small, whatever you're saying, right? (laughs) You know, Edwards are important. Okay. Just because you say it doesn't mean they heard it, nor does it mean that they understood it, all that kind of stuff. So you have to realize that hearing something and even seeing it isn't enough. Okay. 2D visual presentation online is, is, is what I just said. It's 2D and it's, it's online. It's not interactive and engaging. It's not 3D. Okay, so it's ext- it, So it's extremely passive. You can have a passive student in your classroom who just sort of sits back and listens, but they're still in the three D world. Okay, so passive learning online is worse than that. So you have to have interactive engagement. All right, and there are ways of doing that. So what we do at Udacity, and I think what most good online practitioners do. Is Yeah, they do have those ideas that they get excited about. They do present those ideas, but then once they do that They want to have interactive experiences that let the students engage with that, okay? Adverbs are important Okay, that's a great sentence and you might believe that and yeah, you're probably scientifically correct, but why? And then can we do some things together right now that that help a student not just reinforce what they heard, but actually come to that understanding themselves through the experience. Because if they get to it and say, oh, oh, I get If they got that and they've heard your emotional stories and your they, they, adverbs are important, right? You know, for loops are important in computer science, you know, whatever the topic is. Um, and so what we do is we have lots of engagement. So we have A, our videos, our communication online um, with the instructors, because they just want to talk for a solid hour. You cannot do that. Research suggests three to five minutes. All right, and even five minutes is a long stretch, especially if all the content is new and is full of content, which by definition it is. Okay, so think about that. Break that up into small chunks. Okay, Uh, I think chunks even a word in this thing, right? But break it up into small chunks, and so hey, okay, stop. Okay, now you just said that. Yes, we have a bunch more to elaborate on based on what you just said, but let's stop right now and let's let some digestion happen about what we just learned right here. And it might be foundational and very simple, but let's stop. And what we do at Udacity, is we have these things called quizzes, which is not like a quiz in a class, but it's like an, an, an interactive knowledge reinforcement tool. It might be a little, rate a, a little hey, um, true or false. And you ask a question the students have to read that and click true or click false, all right? Um, and then, if they click the wrong answer, we're ready for that. We anticipated that, and we actually have some feedback that says, "Aha! Okay, we thought you might click on this one." And most students, when they click here, that's because they misunderstand this top this piece of that. So we were ready for you, and here's an explanation, or a diagram, or a picture, or even another video, or whatever. That's what it says. Here's where the misconception happened, um, and here's how to sort of look at it in a different way, which might break that misconception. Okay, so you have this interactive little mini what I'm calling quiz, little interactive knowledge reinforces, you know, 10, 15, 20 second things, a few of those that really let you hone in on important words or concepts or theories or or topics, whatever you want to hone in on. Um, And then we also go to that next level. I think this is important as well. So in in a classroom that you're face to face, you might have a lab, to study what happens when you mix these chemicals together. Okay, well, you need to have that as well online, but you're not gonna be mixing chemicals together, okay? If you're in computer science, you might be coding. If you're in English, you might be writing some sentences, okay? If you're in a physical education class, you might be doing some exercise that they just talked about, whatever the topic is, but you're doing it, okay? And it's not just Follow me step by step by step by step. Because we already did that. We already told them the step by steps. We talked about it. So the the, 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 the little interactive quizzes you had, let them sort of get a chance to sort of double check their knowledge. Let's do something. Let's see if this actually works. Let's do a little miniature thing. Okay, see if you can do X. Go do X right now. They're doing it right now. All right? Um, and then, you know, there's no right or wrong on that. You're just sort of giving them feedback on what they've got. And so um, what... What we found is that by doing that, by breaking it up into chunks, okay, having a chance to interact with the content in small and big ways, and in, in reinforcement of knowledge ways, and then sort of higher up Bloom's taxonomy a little bit to let them think about that and do something for themselves. Um, that uh, is what translates with our experts into good course content. Okay, um, one of the things that we have identified is so. So at the end of and this is something I believe in, and it's a project-based learning um, challenge. Is that um, so? You know, both in my own experiences as a computer science educator for 20 years, um, having a big project related to a topic is vital all right, and um, that they do something on their own that's big enough to bite into, that does take a little bit of time, where there's room to explore and room to make some mistakes and room to bring in some some different aspects of what they've been learning. Um, I think that's vital, okay? And then making sure that they have the skills necessary to do that. So you, you have this project that they're, they're gonna be working on your, in your course, whatever the topic may be, um, and then you just make sure that you're learning prepares them for that. You wouldn't want to have them do this project and yet your content be about this, all right? So you sort of think about um, the end game first and say, okay, what is it that this project's going to be doing or expect them to be able to do? Um, all right, so let's make sure that what I've got planned in my class hones in on that, all right? So it's easy, you know, our topics are broad by definition. I mean science, biology, history, Good grief, There's years of content, but you've got 30 minutes right now okay so what are you going to do with that 30 minutes so that you get your best bang for your buck okay and so that's what we found has been working and um, i would say a couple other tidbits um that i didn't realize but as i was um and i do a ton of research and i read books continuously yes i'm that nerd um and i didn't realize this but even if you're doing video content where they're seeing you and hearing you there's evidence which says not not because of different learning styles, I'm not trying to say that, but people need to learn in different ways to use different parts of their brain. So your video is going to reach a certain part of the brain in certain ways. Um, right underneath a video screen by important topics, I want to have those listed in text formats. I want to have the highlights listed there. So any words, that kind of stuff. And that reinforces what you just said, that it reaches a different part of the brain. And the part which I didn't realize about that was even though that's on screen and it's visual, and even though your video was visual, there's evidence which suggests that an image, whether that's a diagram, a chart, or just a picture of some people doing something, that reinforces everything that they've learned in ways that are different than the other way. So if you do that, That's three mechanisms that the brain has to store something, all right, because you have to ask yourself, is what you're trying to teach them short term? Do you want them just to know it right now, like for the test tomorrow? Well, I would hopefully not. I want it to be long term. So you have to think about, well, if that's the case, are my strategies for teaching long term or short term strategies? Okay. If you're lecturing and throwing out 50 vocabulary words, they're not, they might be able to memorize it for a quiz tomorrow or a test tomorrow or a regurgitation process, but they're not going to remember any of that. So you have to ask yourself that, and that's maybe not as obvious as it may sound, but I'll challenge you to ask, and it's, you may not like the answer you get, gosh, are my strategies long-term or short-term? Um, And then in addition to all that, what I have my, when I'm working with those experts, I say, look, you're an expert. You have stories from the trenches. You have examples of industry or people or animals or things that are representing what you're talking about. We know those stories work. The brain thrives on story and it thrives on emotion, right? And think of all those urban legends you hear. They're all based on intense emotion. We could all probably recite five urban legends right now, even though I haven't heard it in 20 years, right? There's a reason those work. So if you can have a couple stories in the middle of that, even some that sort of, whoa, really, right, that works. And the combination of all that together translates into good teaching. Whether that's online or whether it's in person, that's going to translate to good teaching. So that's what we found at Udacity, which is exactly what I did in my classes as well. And I think what a lot of teachers who do who do learning, who have figured this out, um, have at least some elements of what I just talked about. So um, yeah, so there's, there's a little bit of, of the correlation between what we were doing between what I'm doing right now. Yeah, so let, let, let's break down. You've
0: got some, there's some incredible... Ideas that you shared just yeah. in there. There's a lot there to unpack, and so um, I want to go back and kind of chunk down some of these things. No, because it's 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 wonderful, and I and I think what you're saying, based on the educators that I've been working with, you're hitting on key things that they're all trying to wrap their head around, and they're trying to do it with. With time that doesn't seem to exist, as they're trying to keep you know, their head right. above water and, and do all it by tomorrow. Yeah, and do it by tomorrow. <laughs> so one of the first things you said all the way back was, you know, trying to identify that, that one sentence, that that aha moment, you know. And and we're all there. Like I get very wordy, and my wife always tells me, like, just can you just cut to the chase? You know, you so tell me what you were trying to yeah. say. Okay, I just walked in the house, and you're talking for seven minutes, and it was a single yes or no question. Can you just ask right. a question? So um, I say that. So educators may not have you. A person like you, Doug, that could sit there and go, "Okay, I'm gonna, we're, we're gonna, I'm gonna work with you to find that that moment." Yeah. And a lot of them might be working from home. They may not have that that collaboration that they're used to, you know, during their prep time. Even though prep time always was consumed by something else. Um, yeah. But if if they're trying to work from home or they're trying to, you know, figure this out on their own, I think you hit on a key point there because I think a lot are working on trying to narrow down their videos to, they've, they've heard this now over and over and over again, like we can't have these 15, 30, 45 okay. minute videos, but in our brains to go, but my content, my content, I can't get it done in five minutes. I know we can chunk into those things. How do they work to go, that's the sentence? Do, what do you suggest for them? Do you have any strategies in case they don't have a Doug Bergman in their back pocket to uh, help them navigate those waters? <laughs>
1: So I do have some strategy for exactly that. So A, what I'm going to ask you to realize is that an entire lesson doesn't happen through your video, okay? You have a combination of video, homework, classwork, dialogue, discussion, projects. You have a, your content needs to be addressed through one of or a variety of those elements. You don't have to handle everything in your video or everything in a homework or everything in a project, right? It can be a combination of all those. So think about that. So ultimately, I think what's what's really good about online presentations is um, you do need something as a backdrop where you're talking. If it's just you and your face in front of um, the camera talking, I think you're, t- you're, and that might be good sometimes. You, you definitely need, they need to see your expressions, et cetera, sometimes. But there's also a time where they need to have something on the screen. Um, and I, I would say this, what what i found can work in that Is to help you get to the exact point okay if you're gonna have whatever five topics you're gonna talk about or or in this video maybe one topic okay a what is that topic what is the word okay parts of speech all right of the Civil War right um exercise for teenagers whatever the topic is what is that and then underneath it give yourself one thing that you can put that's it one thing so you have to take years of experience, books you've read, college degrees, and take that topic and give yourself one phrase. Okay. And that's all you have. Now, yes, you get to elaborate on that and bring some other elements in there, but that forces you to consolidate everything you're trying to say into one thing yes, it can be two or maybe even three, but I'm just saying, bring it down into a small, concise vocabulary right there. So ultimately, when you're telling this crazy story, and this teenager whose brain isn't necessarily making the connections can glance at that and say, "Oh, adverbs are important. Oh, that's what he's using. Sentences with lots of ad- okay, okay, okay. I get it, right?" And so that's what you're gonna do. And so start there. Start with that slide. What's the topic? What's one? You know, like I said, maybe two or three, whatever topics. Okay. There's your big sentence. There's your hey, Aaron. Just tell me what you're trying to say. Point. And then you're like, okay, there's what it is. Okay. And because you start there instead of ending there, you now have three or four minutes to get to that point. Okay. Um, And again, short term or long term, right? And so now you've got some time to tell a story, give some examples, do a demonstration. Don't worry about interaction uh, during that video, because it's only going to be three or four minutes. Let there be interaction as soon as you finish that, with exactly what you just described. Don't have them doing adjectives, because that's the next lesson, right? You might tease them a little bit with that, but right now, adverbs is what's important, you know, history, uh, you know, um, causes of the War of 1812, whatever you're doing, that's what we're talking about right now. Okay, and we'll do um, we'll, we'll we'll get to that, we'll have some stories, we'll have some examples, something which is gonna best hopefully communicate why what that is on the screen is as, it, as as I said it was. Why is that important? The what is what they're gonna learn in the rest of the lesson, so your video can be the why. Adverbs are important. Why are they important? Okay, all right. So there you're gonna use that video to communicate the why, because that's what you, the human expert, have that because you've consolidated 10 years of college and high school together and you can articulate why they're important to high school kids like I don't know why they're important right I don't know why for loops are important I just did you know that kind of thing and so you help the why if they get the why and they can even get excited about the why a little bit because some really cool examples then you're like all right now let's do the what all right and that's easy now because you're excited or at least you understand the value so the why versus the what on there so that's one strategy I've learned that works yeah I love that so as
0: as, as people are thinking about that I think that gives them a, a good starting point to kind of wrap their head around that And I think that becomes one of the challenges um, that we can put in the PD series as you're talking is kind of go back maybe evaluate one of your previous videos and see where could you have you know maybe trimmed off some of the introductory because we've all done it i mean, probably 80% of the stuff I do I could probably trim out a lot of the words that you I all say. And, and, and <laughs> about
1: this, You know, I mean I, I, I can't remember how often you know, think every teacher has a story of you're in class and it is the best class of your life the words are reeling off the example okay and then up comes the question what time is lunch yeah. you know, like. Oh, okay so just remember the words that sound unbelievable yeah there's a couple kids that are just eating it up for some of them it may weren't 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 right exactly passive learning and as soon as they're required to do something with it and especially if that do something which i've got somebody ideas on later is really cool and engaging they're gonna want to do it okay yeah. so yeah that's why the three or four or five minutes like trust me dude and and you know you know really professional and expert teacher woman and man who think this is really really wonderful that's great get to the good stuff Which is the hands-on part your teaching and your examples and your stories are the why? Okay, cool. We get it. Let's do something right now. That's relevant, That makes sense to me because I'm a 14 year old girl. I'm a 14 year old boy And I want to learn this stuff Okay, and I do believe that I I, I think sometimes you think you hear kids don't want to learn they're lazy. No, they, they do They do when there's a good something in front of them. Wow, that's a really cool story. I get that. I get why the War of 1812 was important. I get why I should be doing these exercises. I get why I need to learn, like where the FOIL method happens in algebra. I get that. And so cool. I do want to, I am a little bit curious on how you did that, right? And that's the what. So I think there's room for that.
0: Yeah, and I know you know. So as, as as you move into that that next stage, you you get your stuff to, quick to the point. Be, you build the why. You talked about you know that those quick little checkpoints. you know, and you'd ask you call them quizzes. And for uh, you know for a lot of educators, that could be a formative. It could be a, yeah. you know a, a pre-assessment, whatever it might be. And, and we don't have to go down all those rabbit holes. There's so many tools. it, is, for this, it, but you be know,
1: it could be a back yeah. and forth dialogue. Yeah,
0: yeah. And it could be. So that, I think that those things these these can be very quick. And I think sometimes we spend so much time going. We got to make sure we. Can capture all the things and they're just quick little nuggets but you know whether that's conversation uh, whether you're using Microsoft Forms or Google Forms you can have that or it could be one question if they get it right they're done if if it's wrong you can create the forms that that split off and maybe give them a, a quick little video or another little thing to go explore to kind of brush up on their learning but these don't have to be extensive but they're giving you a quick little snapshot of where kids are so when they move into the engagement when you move into making sure down the road where the kids have it you we know that some kids you might need you might need to do a little pulse check to make sure they're doing okay you know but i think that's a piece that sometimes i think we get stuck on we think it has to have all the things right away and it's it just just a small little dose for your sanity as an educator because that's all stuff you got to look at and get feedback on but for the kids too just like you said here's the why let's see where you're at but but they want to get to the engagement and if we spend too much time trying to get to the engagement you're going to lose them and they're never going to get there. And then that's, I think where the headache is because all of a sudden they're going, kids aren't engaged. They're not doing the work. Well, I wonder, if we're spending too much time trying to get there, we gotta get there faster, and then we can use a professionalism. So I'm saying that, Doug, move into that exploration phase. Yeah, yeah. And I know every subject there. There's there there's tons of tools. So I'm not at, suggesting that you give a list, but and I don't. We're have, talk about that, again. right? But how do we make that happen in online experiences? How do we get them to under to experience um, the 3D? You talked about the 2D, yeah. and we know that there's you know we know that there's lots of tools out there, but before you even get to that tool, how do we think about creating that engagement? Because the things that teachers are dealing with, and I know you know this, equity, accessibility to materials, um, maybe the the home ha- has support or doesn't have support. I mean, we know all the things that are, are proving to make this a little- Also reasons for it not to work, right? Yes. So how do they, what, what, are, what are what are talking points, thinking things for them to process that? Because I think, this is where teachers really want to shine i think they're and this is where they're burning a ton of energy trying to figure this piece out and it's it's not where they want it to be
1: yeah i I, and so i'm going to probably take a different approach that i think the ultimate goal is here and if you've been going here which might be the direct route. It may be that in this, in normal face-to-face, that route might be working beautifully. And I just don't think it's gonna work or at least not all of that route. So it may be that we sort of take this kind of route a little bit. Um, And what I mean by that is, so when you're in online environment uh, and you have, you know, you're in Zoom or Meet or whatever you're in, and you've got 10, 15, 20, 30, whatever number of kids you've got in class, um, and they look side by side, it right, looks like, kind of like the Brady Bunch thing. Okay. And there's a sense and it's a false sense that there is community right there. Right. There's no community, right? There's friends that know each other and they know each other from previous experiences. But especially if you got new students to a school or something like that, or, or people who just moved into the area, these aren't even friends. So they're not in a community. So don't have that false sense that there is community you have to produce or put situations in place that allow that community to happen, okay? So what is it about a face-to-face class that we love that we can't replicate online naturally without making some efforts? And I think, you know, you know, a, a little bit, A, that community, the peer-to-peer banter back and forth, think, think about it. And I'm gonna challenge all the teachers out there. Most people have the kids on mute most of the time. Absolutely not. Do not have your kids on mute all the time. You want that dialogue back and forth, yes, they're 14 year old boys. You're probably gonna have a couple of odd comments. You know what? You're gonna have those odd comments in class as well. That's fine, right? Let there be a little bit of humanness to the uh, digital world. And so um, so you're not getting that. So put some things in place to help build that up. I've got some ideas on that, some ideas on that one. Um, and then also what you're not getting is a feel for the class as a whole. A teacher, you can know right now, they're not getting this. The looks on their faces the body language the dude what did he just say like what did you get you know all that stuff that they're not doing right now so and those are the cues that we respond to okay they're not getting it okay so hey class let's look at this and i go into a crazy uh, alternative description which works you don't have any sense of that online because you're just projecting okay have your kids you know a couple of your kids may have you on mute i mean there's all kinds of things that can happen that that, that might or their brother is screaming at them behind and you just said adverbs are important. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> they just makes an important word, right? They, they, they don't even know what you're talking about now. All right. And that's probably more of what's happening than not. And so you have to don't act like that's not happening. All right. It is happening. Right. Um, and so, um, be, be, you know, one of my great stories was I was in a freshman boys class, which I love them. God love them. I love them. I love them. I've always loved them. But I was, they came in after lunch and their eyes were bugging. I think they had like some kind of chocolate cake and I just knew this is not going to work well. I can already tell. So I said, Hey guys, I don't know what's wrong with you as a class, but there's 18 of you here who scare me. I need you to go outside and do jumping jacks and push-ups for three minutes. And they thought I was joking. I said, I'm dead serious. So they all get up and start walking the door. Like expecting me to stop them. I said, come back in three minutes. They ran downstairs. Did jumping? I watched them. Came back up exhausted. We had a great class. That's because I sensed the environment of my class, and I realized I need to make some changes right now. You don't have that luxury online to sense that, so you have to do some things to detect that. Okay. Um, and then also, what you're, what you don't have is the kid who's sitting next to another kid, who can glance over. Hey, dude, how are you getting started in this project? Or like, what, what notes did you just take? Oh, wow. Adverbs are important. I put adjectives are important. Oh, I didn't realize that, you know, that whole thing. So you're not getting that peer to peer interaction, which is huge. Collaborative learning is scientifically proven to have some successes in there. That's not happening because there's no person next to them. They're at a desk by themselves in a room by themselves. That's about the loneliest environment I can imagine. Okay so those elements are the higher level reason so that's why whatever tool you want to use to address those there's 50 of them out there go for it but you need to address those those are elephants in the room that it doesn't matter how good your video is how concise your spreadsheet is how you know the other stuff doesn't matter if you don't address those cuz they're elephants they're between you and the students all right and so i have some ideas on that one and so um, let me take a break there for a sec yeah, no. I was just
0: gonna say, go hey, want, want
1: some examples or what helps.
0: You I, 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 would, I would, yeah. That's what I was gonna say because I was writing down here as yeah. you're talking. It reminds me of a a previous session we did with Michelle Eaton, and she talked about the three important online relations are student to teacher, student to content, and student to student. And a lot of emphasis on that student to student. So, yeah. yeah, I would love some examples. Some and but I, 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 what I, what I know that educators are are really hitting a, a tough spot is, you know, they have. They don't always, the kids aren't in lockstep with us online. You know, we're in a a face-to-face. We have our 45 minutes or 90 minutes, whatever your time is. The kids are, you know, in our classroom and we can force interaction, whether they do it or not, but at least we have the confines to create interaction to some degree. Online. They may or may not even be on. You know, I might be the early bird that's up early. Um, that's the way my schedule works. Doug, you're the guy, you're the kid that's coming in at midnight, five minutes before the deadline on Friday. how do we create that student to student interaction Um, because I think that is a hard part I think teachers are figured out the student to teacher they have you know whether it's the districts require the live check-in on the videos whether they come or not but they have that built in the the student to the content I think people are grasping the resources the the online materials the videos you know teaching some some direct instruction whatever it is they're doing it's that student to student we're in a classroom the conversations really take the learning to the next level that social piece we know is so critical and an online it's how do you there. do it when it's not there so do you have some structures or things that i mean even through through udacity i mean it, it, it doesn't matter whether we're talking kids or adults trying to learn and you have these spaces where people are coming in from different angles at different points so yeah. do you and have so, any ideas
1: yeah. so what so you know so a you got to provide an environment which not only invites, but like I said, requires that. You do have control over what they're doing, both in the classroom and out of the classroom. So things that I've done, which worked, and they're not earth shattering, um, innovative. They're just things commonsensical to me. Okay, so one thing that I want to do is A, I can make students talk to each other. Okay, because in the classroom, we, we all know they're talking to each other, not necessarily about algebra and history, <laughs> yeah. but they're talking to each other, okay? so. Set you know so for for you know and I think I would like to think most people now are comfortable with breakout room sessions etc. But if you're not or you don't or you use them very sporadically only for this project, I would say let those be a much larger part of your class. Okay, Um, and it's okay if there isn't like earth-shattering content and knowledge which happens in those. There will be, all right. But so just break them up, randomize the groups, whatever, and just give them a sentence. Adverbs are important. Why? Give me some examples. Throw them in a break room and let them just say them to each other. You don't necessarily have to be there for that. You, they can correct each other or not. It doesn't really matter. You just want that back and forth dialogue. That's one element you can do. Whether okay, And then if you prepare them with some fun ones of those, when you do have a more serious topic you'd like to have them talk about is maybe let's look at grammar in the United States Constitution. Oh, wow. That's like a serious one. Luckily, I'm already comfortable with those breakout rooms and those dialogue between each other. What it allows me to do as a teacher as well is to jump in for 30-second segments so and just overhear just what they're doing because you, be, you, you do get a little bit of sense at that point because they're interacting like they would in the classroom. You can tell who's not getting it, who's quiet, who's the... Who's the center clown of the class? You get to detect that kind of stuff. You can pick up on common themes. Wow, these students are con- are, are, seem to be using adjectives like adverbs. Or no, these are the causes of the Civil War, not the War of 18. You know, whatever the thing is, you can sort of detect that. In four minutes, you have six or seven breakout groups. Thirty seconds each one, you have just got a sense of what's going on with your class while the kids are dealing. And you can say, kids, you have three minutes to do this. You can make it short and sweet all right um and don't worry so much yes you can put leaders of those it doesn't matter give them a topic and um know that they most likely do what you ask they may not and that's fine okay so that's one thing you can do to have that as a little breakout room. All right? two um you're gonna have a variety of stages in your class where they're proposing a project they're they're, they're in the middle of an assignment they're at the end of an assignment What I would say is have some kind of structure. And and what I use, I'm sure there's tons of these. I use Flipgrid, which is free for educators, and it's awesome because it's video, it's audio. You can respond to people, you can see something, you can share a screen. So you can can present your ideas, okay? You can present your project, you can present your essay, you can present your lab, you can present your exercise, you can present whatever you want to present, and people can see it. And you can talk while you're doing it and they can respond to that and give them feedback it doesn't have to be nine minutes of feedback it can be 30 seconds of feedback and it doesn't matter what you're trying to do is student peer-to-peer engagement and what's cool yes there's learning happening because they just learned what this kid was talking about not everything about it. they just heard some examples, some stories, or they just heard this student's interpretation or perception of whatever they're presenting. Okay. So they get it. That's the equivalent of leaning over your shoulder. Dude, what are you doing for this? Right? That's the that's the equivalent of that. Or I don't get to like, are adverbs important or adjectives? Oh, adjuv? Oh, right. That's where that happens. And gosh. Everyone else said adverbs are important. And I wrote down adjectives are important, right? And, oh, apparently I'm not. So that helps that natural learning, that collaborative learning helps. And tools like that where you can go back and forth and submit, but it doesn't have to be at the end of a project. It can be right in the middle of a project. It can be right in the middle of something. Like I use it for, for proposals so the students could get ideas on their proposal to make their project proposal better, right? And so that kind of stuff. And so um, that, that's it. One more, one more thing I'll I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll that I'll do is, so um, what you're not getting is a sense for, even in that environment is possible, some kids can slip through the cracks, right? And so at some point, um, I think there's value in having students interact in a one-on-one environment if you. If you have a small class, yes, every couple of weeks, if you can have a three minute conversation with each student. Hey Susie, how's it going? Are you stuck in anything? How, how are you liking it? What do you think about the project? That would be ideal, that may or may not be possible if you have large classes, and I get that. But what you can have do is what I started doing um, that I found was was gold was when the students were in the middle of a project or a large assignment, if they had a question, um, I asked them to email me that question, but they had to do it in video format, right? Now, keep it short and sweet, give me 30 seconds. But what that allowed them to do was explain their problem, which in a lot of cases, that in itself was valuable. Um, but allowed me to see where they're confusing things in their explanation of the problem. And sometimes they would answer their problem in their own question. But it allows me to have an idea of what they're stuck on and see that on the screen right there. So, A, I might be able to fire off an email and say, hey, you said the word adjective instead of adverb. Oh, duh, I got it. Okay. Or it might mean, okay, you're confusing nouns and adjectives. Okay, we need to chat. But when I do chat with that student, um, I now know what they're stuck on already. And I've already heard their intonation and reflection because it was just me hearing it. They're gonna be much more open and honest. And so it allows me to have that. So that next interaction, which is the corrective measure, okay, the learning is gonna be quick. It starts where, it starts at the end versus the beginning because I've already heard the problem. So that was gold for me. And, um, and you can have students do that Um, I, there was years I had students call my work phone number and leave a voicemail. There's, you know, I mean there's lots of tools you can do that, Um, but I found out that that really helped for that verbal dialogue and I don't care who you are, students talking about what they're learning is huge. It uses yet another part of the brain. Articulating something is a lot different than hearing it passively or seeing it or even interacting with it, okay, and so that whether it's math, whether it's science, history, whatever, the articulation of that, and I'll even challenge you, make some assignments where they do just that and make them talk deeply. I call this a deep dive. Make them talk deeply about that topic. How does the foil method in algebra work? I want you to tell me exactly how it works, as low as you can go. If your parents hear you and they understand what you said, you didn't go deep enough, right? And so do that, that you get a chance to hear. Because if the kid comes in and doesn't isn't able to say it correctly or whatever, it allows you to to be able to give them feedback. But if seven kids say it wrong, then maybe you haven't provided the right learning environment to learn it correctly. So those are some tools that I found out that allow you to take some of that online gotchas the community, the peer-to-peer that isn't there. If you build that into it, I think it's vital. But like I said, the number one, the first thing I said and all that was keep microphones on. And I know that's against all the rules of society now, but I'm telling you that does allow for there to be some banter back and forth. It also keeps you, the kid who's watching Netflix, as your class is going, it prevents that from happening because you can hear Netflix happening,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I so, think a lot of that is just, uh, helping not just the the teachers trying to figure out these live sessions but also the students and we're all trying to redefine what it means to be a student we're trying to redefine what it means to be an online teacher because it it does look and feel and it does operate different than when we're in the classroom and we are you know uh, mandated to move by bells and this and that and have desks that we sit in and all the things that we, we try to create conducive learning environments but there are also lots of uh you know, structures in place, whether we like it or not, it's a system of education, not a knock on a teacher that allows for some conformity of these places. And now when we're online, that conformity is gone. Uh, students do have complete control uh, how they're going to operate from that online space, whether their camera is on or off, whether they, they choose to be muted or unmuted, whether they choose to be playing the video game, whether they've got you in their headset. I mean, all the things that we know that everybody's dealing with, uh, because it, we have to reshift what it means to be a modern day learner and so i think well, he, it's he, there whether you yeah. like
1: it or not whether you accept it or not whether you want it or not it's there and it's happening right in front of you and you know you're 10 percent of the but don't forget even when we're teaching face to face there's 10 percent of the kids who are yes. not listening yes so they were already not <laughs> there are yes 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 so, so, <laughs> my philosophy has been look we're gonna have some fun in class Yeah, it's gonna be hard and you're gonna learn some stuff you have to work hard for it but it's gonna be fun you're gonna learn it um, and I promise you it's worth your time. Okay, if you choose after all that. still not be engaged there's only so much i can do so i always target listen i'm going to assume that you want to be here and i do believe that i i don't i'm not a believer in the students don't i I don't believe that i think they do want to learn i think sometimes they've been bored out of their minds by education and there's been some reasons why they haven't been engaged but i think in general most students are the human brain is curious by nature we ask a lot of questions and i think people want to learn and as long as we don't destroy that passion through terrible classes and unengaging, in fact, classes which are opposite of that, um, where they hate coming to your class, um, and that can hurt, right? And so um, I do think that they want to learn. So if you provide an environment which does have that,
0: so, so Doug, I want to be respectful of your time. I want to be respectful of the learner's time. You know, as, as we talked about, you know, at the beginning, you know, five-minute chunks. And clearly, we're over that. But, but you're on fire this morning. So we just got to keep the the the, the blaze of rolling. So as as, as people are, are are wrapping up their thoughts here, you've given them so much to think about, which is good. Which is going to allow them to move into some application when they're done watching this or listening to this. I just want to make sure Do you have any other final thoughts, suggestions, tips, strategies. I I just want to kind of open it up wide open for you. And then we'll finish up with, you know, where people can reach out to find you because you've you've planted a ton of seeds for them to think about. And I know you have so much more, but we also have so much time and I I want to be able to make that. So any final thoughts, tips, strategies that you've got that you want to make sure the listener or viewer gets a chance
1: to uh, process. Definitely. Um, so, um, you know, we we focused on what you can do with students during your time with them online, but there's an important second element that you have to address is what do you do when they're not in your class, your content. Okay. And I think if we'll, what you can't do, which I do hear a lot of people, don't give them busy work and don't give them more videos to watch because they're already watching four or five hours of videos a day. They're going to hate your class for doing that. So don't do that. Take advantage of outside of time class. Okay. Um, so it's something they look forward to, but let them engage with your topic in ways that you're not really able to do during the classroom as much because of time, because of location, because of logistics, because of whatever. Okay, so what I mean by that is pick pick the topic, pick the skills, pick the project, pick the technology, pick whatever the thing you're learning in class and let them outside of class, you can use discussion boards, let them discuss that. I have used chat rooms where I had chat leaders and it was amazing kids love to volunteer for them to be the chat leader where they sent me the transcripts after that and i could see who was engaged and not engaged i told the kids your grade right oh my god uh, is is based on your your engagement with that so i had these really cool interactive chats which the kids loved as well um and uh, so that was something you could do. let them interview someone okay people are all stuck in quarantine right now, and it's amazing who you can get to talk to now. You can never in a million years, and it might be a local business person, a local author, or a world famous person. One of our students talked to the CEO of Apple one year, right? I mean, it just it happened, and so let them interact with that. They can watch TED Talks. There is a TED Talk about every single topic on this planet, and they're short and they're sweet and they're great presentations of content. Ted Talks has mastered that. Let them do that. But also I would say this last piece. um, Find ways, I'm gonna say cross pollinate. Okay, what I mean by that is, um, you know, think of ways where you can automatically get another department's stuff into your stuff, which we don't do that very well in face-to-face, but take advantage, think about this. What if your English teacher that they all know showed up in the math class oh my god wait, what oh my god that's exploding right um and then that english teacher says something which was actually relevant to what you guys are talking about that's gold right um and what if in science they went and read a short story about something that was scientific whoa that's awesome what a short story in so, wait this is physics right that kind of stuff is great and you know in history class We're actually gonna replicate the art of that time period. I think some of you, but like, those are small things you bring in something else. And what if in computer science, they had to write a program, but sorry, all the input questions and output responses are in French, Spanish, Latin, German, Italian, right? So your brain does other things in there. It uses a different part of the brain, it engages them. And that little surprise is something they weren't expecting right? It's going to spice up that class a little bit. So just take advantage of outside of class times. I call it homework, but it's not homework. It's just different ways to engage in your content that they may not have been doing. And, um, anyway, I found that that works. So
0: I love it. And even as you were talking, I was just sitting there, you know, and we know we always try to create those interdisciplinary projects. We know it's easier said than done, but not only does it spark the kids, I think about it could be the rejuvenation that educators need because I think all the struggles that we're reading and experiencing with the kids the educators are feeling the exact same way and I think if you needed a little spark just to your my wife's an eighth grade algebra teacher I'm working with educators that I support I'm seeing the burnout super strong we're, we're five, six weeks in at, at the time of this recording here in Iowa and education. And I feel like the majority of these educators are in that feeling that they feel about midway through third quarter. Oh, we've got cabin we've fever, got totally the kids are ready to done spring break. Can't come soon enough. And we, we still have a whole nother quarter and a half. Like we, we all hit it. And I feel like they're there already. And so working together, maybe with a, a colleague, maybe someone you've never even worked with before never thought about could really create that, that that spark in the moment just to kind of keep you going. Cause it's lonely too, especially the educators that are doing online teaching where you're used to having your, your five minutes where you talk to these five teachers, you're used to your PLC meeting, you know, every Tuesday, second period collaborating. And now you don't have that as much, okay. you know, just like you and me, Doug, I'm, I'm in a dark basement. You're, you're in a room by yourself. And this is the world a lot of educators are facing and that can weigh heavy on your mind. So I think even, yes it's great for students but as you were talking about that I'm going duh like how fun would it be for you know me as a social studies teacher connecting with the science teacher and Just doing something fun
1: yeah and they get excited you get a little break you get a little banter back and forth with your teacher that you're not getting because when yes. you're in the classroom you hear the math teacher going crazy over there hey, what are they <laughs> doing over there right and yeah. we love those moments kids are all looking over there like I want to I want to be in that class, right? And so take advantage of that energy. And you can even go to someone and say, hey, listen, Susie, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on that plateau. Can you just come in? You, I know you talk about this thing, which is relevant. Can you come in for like five minutes, talk about it? And it's usually something those teachers like, yeah, I'm happy to do it. I don't need to prepare anything. This is my bread and butter. I got you. You know and what a cool little eng- engagement and collaboration and you know if it's hugely relevant to what they're doing awesome but even if it's just a little change of pace that is indirectly related that's also a good thing you know yeah
0: yeah no it is so good so Doug this has been so refreshing your energy is always contagious so many great ideas for educators yeah. to think about and I'm really excited to see how they're going to take these ideas you share to put it into action and, and see how yeah. it helps them in their teaching if people want to reach out to you Doug yeah. I'm definitely they know the routine the bio is going to be in, in the pd and on the guest page and links to your book and you, yeah. you should another webinar of pbl yeah. and online you've given yeah, a lot of what we things.
1: talked about today was i did a webinar for amazon in march or april something like that um i, I kind of go into a little more detail about some of those ideas so watch that if that helps you if it's yeah. important yeah
0: but if they want to reach out to and learn more sure. about you or maybe they have some further questions about yeah. some ideas you share where's the best place for them to um, check I, out? Let,
1: I mean i you know my i have my um I'm on all social media. I'm on most of the computer science forums. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, You know, I'm on email. I have my my blog, InnovativeTeacher.org. Any one of those has contact information. Just shoot me an email, shoot me a text, tweet, whatever. I'm always happy. I love talking about this stuff and happy to offer anyone that you know anyone that sees value in things that i believe in i like that person automatically i don't care (laughs) where you are who you are how old you are what color you are what religion you are i don't care right i just want to talk to you because you probably got some cool stuff you know
0: yeah, I love it. Well, Doug, this has been phenomenal. Um, it's always a pleasure to uh, get a chance to speak with you. And I know that you're going to inspire and help uh, so many educators that, that are going uh, to explore this video or listen to the audio. And so thank hope, you so much for help. your time. Yes, I, I, okay. I really appreciate it. And I know they will appreciate it. as
1: well. Good luck, everyone. Let me know if I can help.